Well, that is true. They will know we are Christians by our love. And Jesus told the disciples, they will know you by your love for one another. By the way, children are dismissed to junior church if there are any left. I think they were all up here. So, uh, anyways, we're going to be going here in just a minute. We're going to be going to Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. So, if you want to turn there or begin to turn there, we're going to be going there here in just a minute. Uh, again, I want to second, uh, for the second time, extend Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Um, I want to continue in the sermon series on Galatians. And I believe this passage relates to mothers. Uh, the Bible relates to all of us in our context. You know, sometimes we try to divorce the Bible or divorce a certain part of the Bible or passage of the Bible. Sometimes we try to divorce the Bible from our life, but that should not be. The Bible applies to all of our life. The Word of God applies to all of our life. So today's passage applies to the child and the parent, the employer and the employee. This passage is very applicable to all of us, to all of us. And I want to encourage all of us to live in the present. Live in the present. I want to encourage all of us to be involved in ministry in the present. Serve in the present. Serve in the present. You know, I've been involved in ministry with people with Alzheimer's and people with dementia. And I've had specialized training in, in Alzheimer's, the very, very sad illness, and in ministering to people with Alzheimer's. And uh, I've led a few Alzheimer's symposiums. And we led two at my last church. And once a month, actually, we would take our Bible study. And after the Bible study was over, we would go and actually sing hymns in an Alzheimer's unit of a nursing home, retirement center. And so at one point, by the way, it's really neat when you do that because it's an awesome ministry. But also, long-term memory is the last to go. So families love it when they're with their mother or grandmother or whoever. And when you sing the old hymns, they start singing along. Because that memory remains. When you say the Lord's Prayer, they say it together because that's still in their memory. So at the second Alzheimer's Symposium we led at my, at my last church, we had a panel of speakers and they were doing Q&A. And one was a chaplain at a continuing care retirement community at um, Copeland Oaks, if you know of them at all. And at that symposium, he said, you know, something about people with Alzheimer's is they live in the present. They live in the present. They live in the moment. And very few of us live in the present. We're either thinking and living in the past or we're living in the future. We're just trying to rush through life to the next day, to the next event, to the next trip, to the next business deal, to the next whatever it is. We don't live in the present. We don't serve in the present. We don't slow down. We don't notice the present. We don't notice the present. So by way of application, do we live in the present? I cannot speak as a mom, but I speak as a parent. And I speak knowing that we must live in the present. We'll come back to that. So my theme today is bear one another's burdens. And that's the theme of this passage as we round up Galatians. We're going to finish Galatians next week. And after that, we're going to start a very need-based sermon series that will be topical about dealing with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But as we look at Galatians 6, 1 to 10, we see the theme of bear one another's burdens. Serve one another. So I hope you're there. Galatians 6, 1 to 10. I'm going to read the passage, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then... While we, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. In verses 1 through 5, let's walk through this passage. So if you're in the passage, if you've opened up your Bibles or your iPhone or your Android phone or whatever, stay in the passage as we walk through it, because we're going to walk through it, and, and maybe, maybe some of us will learn a few things. Um, I know I did. So in verses 1 through 5, Paul talks about caring for one another. He talks about caring for one another. And we all must admit, as we celebrate Mother's Day today, we all must admit that it's usually the mother who is the most caring, the most nurturing. Agreed? Amen? Agreed? No. No. Who said that, Greg? (laughs) Nobody would dare say no. Uh, We all must admit that it's the mother who is usually the most nurturing, the most caring. God's created woman with the ability to be the most caring. Like a mother, the church is called to care for one another. Like a good mother, the church is called to bear one another's burdens. Let me read the verse one more time. Brethren, this is just verse 1. Even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. In a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. This is talking about restoration in verse 1. And then verse 2 jumps into bearing one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. About verse 1, the Moody Bible Commentary shares, this section gives more guidance as to what walking by the Spirit looks like. If you remember from last week, chapter 5 talked about walking by the Spirit, letting the Spirit of God uh, guide you, living with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now in chapter 6, he is talking about what walking by the Spirit looks like. And in this passage, there's movement back and forth between responsibility for oneself and responsibility for others. Movement back and forth between responsibility for oneself, which would be verse 1b, verse 3, in verses 7 through 8, and then responsibility for others, which is verse 1a, verse 2 and verse 6. The ESV Study Bible shares, Paul illustrates what he means by the life of love in the Spirit, which he described in more general terms in the previous section. So in the previous section, he's being more general. Now he's getting more specific. Paul addresses him as brethren. He addresses him as brethren. Then Paul says, even if. Now, in the beginning of a chapter, how does even if even fit? How does, I used that word twice. How does even if even fit? It's the beginning of a chapter. And what we need to remember is that Paul did not end chapter 5 and say, let's put a chapter division here. I'm beginning chapter 6. He just kept right on writing or kept right on dictating. He's really dictating the word actually to a, to a scribe. So that chapter division is human-made or man-made. So this even if 
seems odd when we think that there's a separate chapter. However, chapters were not in the original text, so this follows chapter 5. And chapter 5 ended with this. This is how chapter 5 ended. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envy, envying one another. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. And then he said, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, <clears throat> you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. See, it flows from dealing with what you should not do. Don't be boastful. Don't be challenging one another. Don't be envying one another. But even if some of you are, you are a spiritual restore. Now, chapter 6 is a second part or appendix of the letter of Galatians. And he's dealing with Christian living or Christian ethics. This is dealing with Christian living or Christian ethics. So even if... Any, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, so if there is a trespass, then you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual, restore such a person. Now, why does he say it this way? Why does he say it this way? The Net Bible notes this. When he says who are spiritual, he's referring to people who are walking by the Spirit. You who are walking by the Holy Spirit, you who are being led by the Holy Spirit, restore such a person. Now, Paul could be being a little sarcastic, saying, you say that you're so spiritual, restore such a person. But I like the first view better. When you're being led by the Spirit, restore such a person. Restore such a person with the Holy Spirit's guidance. This passage does not say how they are to restore them, but the rest of the New Testament does. The rest of the New Testament tells us how to do that. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, gives instructions. Jesus instructs us with this. If your brother sins, go around and gossip about it. That's not what he says. He, he doesn't say that. If your brother sins, call your local court. He doesn't say that either, does he? If he, your brother sins against you, grab your sword. He doesn't say that either. This is what he says. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. It's just you and your brother or you and your sister, one-on-one, -on -one, talking it over, working it out. I bet you nine out of ten times it's a misunderstanding, but we inflate it and make it way worse because we hold it inside and we get angry or we gossip about it or whatever. This is saying just one-on-one, -on -one, go and talk about it. Verse 16. But if he does not listen to you, take it to Facebook. No, he doesn't say that either. If, that's what we do. That's not what you're supposed to do. This is what it says. If he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. And by the way, that's a quote from the Old Testament. So it's still, it's not a gossip session. It's not a big, you're not going to the court. You're not going to Facebook or social media. It's, it's now two people with one person talking it over. Verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. A Gentile and a tax collector would be a, a non-believer. If he refuses to listen even to the church, that person is considered a non-believer. But it doesn't start that way. It starts with one-on-one, -on -one, just talking it over, working it out. So moving on in this passage, verse 2. 
He says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. This shows that bearing one another's burdens is very important. It's so important that Paul says when we bear one another's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. We are fulfilling the law of Christ. Paul says the law of Christ, and this is as opposed to the law of Moses. Paul had been saying that they are free. They are free. And remember Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. I'm sure that you may not remember it, so I'm going to read it to you. He says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So when we bear one another's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. We are to love one another. And once again, we can all learn from mothers in this way, because mothers are generally the most caring. They're the ones in the trenches caring for their children. Look at the next few verses, verses 3 through 4. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. We are encouraged for self-examination. In our day of a fast-paced world, oftentimes we forget self-examination. Now, verse 5 shows that we are also responsible to carry our own load. We are responsible to bear one another's burdens, and then we are also responsible to carry our own load. This is what verse 5 says. For each one will bear his own load. Now, this is straightforward with Christian living. We must bear our own load in our work. We must, we must only boast about our own work. But it does seem like there could be a contradiction. Because in verse 2, he's saying... Bear one another's burdens. And in verse 5, he's saying, carry your own load. Which is it? I like what the New American Commentary shares. It says, on first blush, it seems that Paul had flatly contradicted himself within the space of three short verses. In chapter 6, verse 2, he instructed the Galatians to carry each other's burdens. Now in chapter 6, verse 5, he said that each one should carry his own load. This apparent discrepancy is easily, easily resolved when we realize that Paul was using two different words to refer to two disparate situations. The word translated burdens in verse 2 is bera, and it refers, as we have seen, to a heavy load, an oppressive weight, which one is expected to carry for a long distance. But the word for load in verse 5 is fortune, which is used elsewhere to refer to a ship's cargo. We see it in Acts 27.10. Or a soldier's knapsack. Or a pilgrim's backpack. So in verse 2, it's dealing with a heavy load. And we're to bear each other's burdens dealing with a heavy load. And in verse 5, it's dealing with a very light load. And in, in dealing with light loads, we are to carry our own burden. J. Stott correctly delineates the difference between the two loads. He writes in Galatians 6, So we are to bear one another's burdens, which are too heavy for a man to bear alone. But there is one burden which we cannot share. Indeed, do not need to, because it is a pack light enough for every man to carry himself. And this is our responsibility to God on the day of judgment. On that day, you cannot carry my pack, and I, and I cannot carry yours. You realize that our salvation, we are responsible for our salvation. We are responsible to go to the Lord, go to the Lord Jesus, and repent. And you know, our salvation is a very light load, because Jesus took it for us. He took it for us.
And actually, in verse 5, Paul placed the verb in the future tense to indicate that he was thinking not merely of an individual's carrying his own weight or bearing his own responsibility here in this life, but more particularly the future reckoning that every Christian must make before the judgment seat of Christ. In verse 5, he seems to be referencing, seems to be talking about our salvation. Our salvation. We must go to the Lord Jesus for forgiveness on our own. Moving on, in verse 6, Paul gives instructions regarding teachers. He says, The one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. This has to do with providing for and supporting teachers. Paul taught in other places among them, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 through 18, about taking care of our leaders. This, by the way, can indirectly apply to mothers. If we're to take care of our teachers, we're definitely to take care of our parents, specifically our mothers. In verses 7 through 10, we see the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Verses 7 through 8 read this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Paul begins with a warning that they are not deceived. We know that the people of Galatia have been deceived. They have been greatly deceived. These Judaizers, these <clears throat> Jewish believers, or so-called Jewish believers, who wanted them to keep the whole law, had deceived the Galatians. And Paul is telling them, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. Let's talk about that for a moment. How often do we mock God in our thinking or actions? We do, don't we? How often do we mock God thinking we can get away with certain things? We mock God. Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. How often do we mock God? Let's, let's, let me make some of these applications a little more personal. How often do we mock God blaming Him for our predicament when it is the result of our own choices? Sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow. We blame God for not providing for us when we waste our money on lavish vacations, cigarettes, or many other things. You name it. We blame God for not taking care of our health when we have eaten poorly and lacked exercise. We blame God for our children not following Him when we did not raise them to follow Him. Or we were hypocritical in the way we raised them. We only raised them to follow Him on Sundays. We did not pray in the home. We did not do family devotions. We did not study the Word in the home. And we lived for money. Listen, it is not the church's job to teach your children the spiritual things. It begins in the home. And when it does not begin in the home... Don't mock God by blaming Him when your kids walk away from the faith. We blame God for our marital issues when we refuse marital counseling and married unequally yoked. We blame God when our children are harsh with us when we were overly harsh with them. We blame God for our children's attitude and sarcasm when that is what they observed in us. We blame God for our children yelling when again, that is what they observed in us. We blame God when it's just reaping what we sow. And we raise our kids a certain way. We raise them in anger. There will be anger when they grow up. We raise them with sarcasm or attitude. There will be that when they grow up. We raise them with hypocrisy. Wait till you expect it when they grow up. 
We reap what we sow. This is a true principle. This also applies to generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul writes, My point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Verses 9 through 10 says this, Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Paul is telling them to not be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. We may think no good deed goes unpunished. But don't lose heart. In due time, we will reap. If, if, if we do not grow weary. This means we must keep on going and we must persevere in the faith. Bear one another's burdens. Persevere in the faith. Keep living for Jesus. Live in the present. Do we live in the present? I am a hyper planner. Hyper type A. I am OCD with scheduling. Uh, Megan knows this, and our leaders are beginning to realize that. <laughs> and they've only begun. Um, I like to have goals. I like to know what to expect tomorrow. However, one particular moment... And I will defend that, by the way. And however, one particular moment, I faced some conviction. It hit me and it did sting a little. Something or someone, maybe the Holy Spirit told me, what are you rushing through life for? Someday, you will miss these years with your young children. Someday, you will miss these years. You look forward to a day when the pressures aren't so great, but you will miss these years. That thought was convictional to me. That thought encouraged me to live in the present. Serve one another in the present. Serve one another today. Don't wait for tomorrow. How much do we miss today by looking to tomorrow? How much ministry do we miss today because we're looking for, for tomorrow? How much have I missed today because I was looking for tomorrow? And I cannot answer that. I do know. As a personal testimony that this last week we were in the Great Smoky Mountains at Gatlinburg for a pastor's conference. The Evangelical Friends Eastern Region chose to take their pastors and, and punish us by wanting us to go to the Smoky Mountains in Gatlinburg for this pastor's conference. And they further wanted us to punish us more by inviting families and having childcare. And, but we also had a schedule. We had different sessions. And there were many times where I'm thinking... We have to get to the next session, but we're out in the Smoky Mountains, and I have to remind myself, live in the present. Enjoy the moment in the present. By the way, you have not lived until you drive through the mountains with two kids fighting in the back seat. <laughs> and I think most of you have. We were going through Cade's Cove, and it was bumper to bumper because somebody spotted a bear. I have a belief that the Smoky Mountains really just keep their bears in a contained area. And every once in a while, when they think they need more donations to the park, they release the bears. And everybody comes out. And nobody was moving. I mean, it, the traffic wasn't moving. There's, that's just terrible. All because of a black bear. Anyways, um, people have these long, long, long cameras with long zoom lens for the black bear. Anyways, but that's awesome. But I got to remind myself. I remind you. Live in the present. Enjoy the moment in the present. Don't miss the ministry, the service, the family, the family life today because you're looking to the present. And again, that is a conviction I'm applying to myself first and foremost. A number of years ago, I came home at about 10.45 p.m. I was involved in ministry at the University of Mount Union. I came home from an exciting evening with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. 
After their gatherings, I was always wound up and could not go right to bed, so I would eat a snack or something at home and read or something like that. This night, I walked in the back door, and I was standing in the kitchen, probably looking for a snack, uh, probably something sweet and salty at the same time, and um, Mercedes came out of her room. She's probably only four years old at this time, maybe even only three years old, and she just came out, and, and she looked at me, and I looked at her, and, and I had a flash forward, a, a flash forward as opposed to a flash as a fla- opposed to a flash backward. You know, she looks at me, I look at her, she says, is it time to get up? And for one split second, I thought, I thought about a day when she will be maybe 20 years old, and we're standing in the kitchen, eating a late night snack, uh, talking about the things of the day. It's a flash forward as opposed to a flash back. Well, a lot of time has passed, and a lot of parenting has passed since then, and I must remind myself to live in the present. I hope and pray to have great conversations with my daughters in the future when they're up at 1045 and I'm not saying go back to bed. Maybe they're telling me to go to bed. Um, but for now, I must live in the conversations today. God has placed me and God has placed us here to be a servant today. Through living each day, we live to the future. Living each day in the present. Bearing one another's burdens in the present. The Christian life is a life of bearing one another's burdens. And mothers show that so well. We must honor our mothers. We must care for our children. We must all do our part living in the present, serving where God has placed us. Don't be so focused on tomorrow that we miss the service opportunities which God has given us today. Let's close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now thankful for mothers, for sure. Thankful for mothers. We also come to you right now thankful for the gospel. And we thank you, Jesus, that you took our load. The load would be too heavy for us to carry alone. The load was too heavy for us to carry. Even as a whole community, we could not deal with our salvation. So, Jesus, you took care of it. And you took care of it so much that you made it a light load. We just give it over to you. And we say, Jesus, we confess that we have sinned and missed your perfect standard. We believe in you, Jesus. You died on the cross for our sins and rose again. We trust in you and we commit to you. Lord God, help us to live for you. Help us to follow you. Help us to bear one another's burdens. Lord God, you call us to be a community of Christians, a community of Christ followers. Help us living for you. And help us doing so as a community. Lord God, if there's one thing that the American church suffers with, I think it's being a community. Bearing one another's burdens. Sharpening each other. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Praying together. Lord God, I think of so many prayer meetings in the book of Acts where great things happened and they were praying together in Acts 13. They were praying together when Paul and Barnabas were called to the mission field. They prayed together. Lord God, may we be a praying people, bearing one another's burdens, trusting in you, living for you. And Holy Spirit, if there's anyone here today who has not committed their life to you as Lord and Savior, Lord, may today be the day of salvation. May today be the day where they do repent confessing they're a sinner in need of a savior where they believe in you jesus trust in you and commit to you lord god help us to live for you help us to live in the present lord god you told us jesus you did in the sermon on the mount tomorrow has enough things to worry about today today has enough things to worry about don't worry about tomorrow live today seek first your kingdom and your righteousness may we seek you in jesus name amen